Hello, everyone. Dave Maxey here with HomeMusicStudio1.com podcast. Thanks for tuning in. And today, I want to talk to you about avoiding the embarrassment of an amateur mix. Hey guys, thanks again for tuning into the show. Uh, Dave Maxey here again with HomeMusicStudio1.com. Seems like it has been a, uh, a several weeks here. I've just been having a lot of things going on. Haven't had uh, the time to to pump out another episode because I've been working on some really cool things that uh, I'm going to be uh, telling you a little more about in the next coming episodes. And so thanks a lot for joining me again today. Uh, I want to give a shout out right off the bat and mention a, a few places that uh, have been really giving me a great response to these episodes. I've got a lot of downloads, of course, from the states. Uh, I'm here in Michigan, one of the 50 states, uh, but I've got a lot of lot of downloads from United Kingdom, Canada, Germany, Sweden, Australia, Brazil, Netherlands, France, uh, all sorts of different places. And uh, I want to thank you guys for your support. Uh, I want to say a big a hello to the guys over in Wisconsin. Have a lot of downloads from uh, you guys in the big city of Milwaukee. And so big shout out to you guys as well. Thanks for your support. Uh, I really do appreciate it immensely. I want to encourage you to keep feedback coming. Uh, I've been able to uh, kind of cover a lot of questions through different episodes as well as uh, some of the, uh, the the blog entries that we're doing as well. So keep your responses coming. I really value that feedback. And hey, if you're listening to this uh, as a, an RSS feed or particularly if you're listening to this in iTunes or you use iTunes, I'd love for you to just head on over to iTunes and give me maybe a one-sentence review of what you think of the show, and uh, that'll that'll help uh, some other people kind of determine if uh, if this is a good fit for them as well. So, hey, I'd appreciate that, but uh, thank you for those of you that are, are constantly interacting with me. So, uh, today... I want to talk to you about um, how to avoid the embarrassment of an amateur mix. And uh, before we get there, I want to tell you a little story because I was kind of processing my thoughts together. And I was thinking about something that happened to me several years ago. And honestly, guys, I've got tons of these stories, as I think, throughout the years of, of kind of my journey, particularly in home recording. Uh, but I had a friend um, before I was married, so well, well more than 13 years ago. Uh, I had a real good friend of mine who we had we'd been doing kind of the band thing together. He was actually a, a lead guitar player in a band that um, we just rubbed shoulders with. My band that I was leading, and also uh, both vocals and, and playing guitar. And we kind of did uh, a, some shows together where we would open for each other. We were in a lot of the same local circuit at that time. And uh, he came to me and he said, "Hey, Dave, uh, you know, good news. I am getting married." And I was like, awesome, man, cool. And he said, well, here's the other thing I want you, uh, I'm, I'm wondering if you'd be able to help me out with. He said, I wrote this song, it's kind of a love song. You know, this was back in the, you know, the power ballad days, okay? Um, and, and he said, I wrote this really cool song for my wife. I want to be able to play the song when we're standing at the altar and we're just getting ready to say I do and looking into each other's eyes. I want to kind of have this song as, as a pre-recorded thing that I can just hold her hands and, and kind of let the song just tell kind of my heart to her uh, on, our, on our wedding day. 
I was like, hey, man, that's pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'll help you out. Uh, what, you know, what do you need me to do? And uh, we kind of kind of put a little game plan together. He wanted me to do some backing vocals for him and then just more or less head up the recording part of the project. And uh, at that time, I was um, I was still kind of learning in the recording field, but I had access to a small studio that uh, I mentioned this before was built. Some guys that I knew real good friends with constructed a studio right in the center of a barn. Uh, and it was seemingly out in the middle of nowhere. And you look at this big red barn, looked to be falling down. And then you walk through the doors and on the inside of it, it was just decked out with a uh, control room. And, and uh, you know, we had separate different stations, nice soundproofing. It was really a cool deal. And uh, so I said, yeah, man, definitely. I'll help you out. And uh, we put a game plan together and we headed on over to the studio. And I remember that day just working. I mean, we spent I mean, we spent hours. It seemed like it was from daylight to dark. And then I think we even had to come back on another couple of days as well. Uh, he had had a, a drum machine where he had already kind of put together the drum parts as far as the program together. And he brought a bass guitar with him. He was a guitar player as well. And so uh, between he and I, we did uh, also, I believe we did some key line, keyboard lines in there as well. And uh, we just kind of, we cut all the tracks together and it took several, several hours to do that. And then we spent a few more times kind of redoing some takes and had this project that I was, I was sitting down. We were ready to mix this thing and put it together. And at that point I was working with a, an analog multi-track recorder. Uh, and so you kind of had some, uh, hard faders to work with and some pans and that kind of thing, some inserts where you could do effects, uh, on each channel. And so spent some time mixing this project together many hours, to be honest with you. And, uh, we got it all said and done. When the project was completed, at that time it was tape, okay? <laughs> Got the tape into his hands. Man, awesome, you know. Uh, wedding day comes around, gets it to the sound guy. They did the rehearsal, all ready to go. Of course, I'm you know, a good friend of mine, so I'm, I'm obviously invited to the wedding as well. I wasn't in this particular wedding, but helped him out on this background side of it, getting this track done for him. And, and um, I, I remember thinking at the time that there were several uh, audio tracks, tapes at that time that were played, as part of the ceremony, he had a, another friend that was more friends of, of his wife that actually sang another song. And so uh, this this gal sang to a soundtrack at that time. You know, she'd play an audio tape and then sing to the microphone, like, uh, you know, kind of the karaoke thing. And uh, I listened to the track on there. It sounded pretty good. It was a, it was a good size room, decent little sound system. And then kind of came the big finale moment of uh of just before they said i do they're holding hands looking at each other staring into their eyes and and uh you know the the pastor at that time that was doing the wedding announced that hey you know we've got this song that was written just for this moment kind of explained a little bit of what my buddy had done and kind of his heart and we're going to go ahead and play this now and it was uh you know it's kind of this real uh romantic moment ladies if this is kind of your thing and so here i'm watching and now the the track begins to play and as the track plays and gets a little more into it, there's some very things that I noticed right off the bat. And uh, it, it went on to play. Now, at the moment, uh, you know, it was it was kind of husband and wife, and they were they were looking at the heart of each other, and so she loved it. But as a as a sound production engineer in kind of the project studio, here's what I felt in that moment as I listened to that track having been played just a few minutes after some of the professional audio from pre-recorded karaoke tracks, I was flat out embarrassed. And here's why. Because there was a few things that just were glaringly noticed when it was compared to a professional track 
especially in this large sound system. Right off the bat, we had gobs of reverb, just huge amounts of reverb uh, on uh, on the actual vocal line and especially the backing vocal line as well. I remember thinking when we mixed it, boy, it sounded really fat and big. It just sounded awesome. And then when we when we ran this thing for the, through a huge system and compared that to a professional project that was, you know, played through the karaoke track even, man, it, it was just evidently, it was glaring that it just was amateur sounding. And then the second thing that was almost even more noticeable, and the sound guy even commented on this afterwards, that, uh, boy, I really had to crank the system up to get enough volume out of that mix. And uh, by doing that, you could hear a lot of background hiss. You could hear a lot of noise that was going on in not just the overall mix, but even in some of the individual tracks. He had this little acoustic solo in there. And I remember thinking, well, we didn't have any clipping. We didn't, you know, the, the level was still pretty good when we recorded it, but... The different parts didn't pop out of the mix. Uh, it was very glaringly amateur sounding, okay? And I, I still, I remember the embarrassment of my, I'm, I'm kind of a perfectionist, and maybe you're like me, and I, I just remember thinking, oh, man, I wish I had not used so much reverb, and I wish that, uh, you know, I had spent a little more time trying to figure out how to bring punch and life to those tracks without making the background hiss, and, and I wish at the time that I knew how to, to do some things that, that made that thing a little more professional and uh, not so glaringly embarrassing to, to what I felt at the time. And uh, I don't know if you can kind of relate to that. I've literally got many of these stories in, from just years ago when, when I started learning. And that was one of the moments that was kind of very clear to me that I needed to keep learning in this journey of having that number one tool of knowledge. Now, why do I tell you all those things? Because along the way, as I began to figure out, and I, I want to avoid the embarrassment of an amateur mix again, and particularly in a way that I was presenting that mix. It was at a wedding. There was several hundred people listening, and though they appreciated the creativity of the original song, it was evident that there was not professional quality in the mix. I was trying to avoid that at all costs. And uh, I discovered that it wasn't just one little magic bullet but there were a lot of little things along the way that made huge differences when you add them all up. But there was a few things that made a little more difference than others. And one of those things we're going to spend a couple of podcast episodes talking about, and that is dynamic range compression. Dynamic range compression. Well, what is dynamic range compression? Let me just make this simple because when you think of compression in audio, Sometimes maybe you're thinking of, okay, I'm, I've, got a, I've got a WAV file or an MP3 file and I want to compress that and, and make it a smaller file. Well, that's, that's a type of compression, but dynamic range compression has to do with processing the dynamic range, the high and the quiet or the loud and the quieter spots of a WAV file or, or an audio track. Uh, it has to do with compressing those together. Dynamic range compression is the ability to process a loud spot in an audio track and bring that loud spot down closer to where the quieter spots are in that track and then giving you the ability to bring that entire track up. Now, what does that have to do with mixes and uh, particularly trying to avoid creating an amateur mix? Here's what I realized is that compression is, is hugely uh, a very key thing to creating a very balanced, in-your-face, uh, clear, loud, punchy, very professional-sounding mix. 
And uh, as I compared the things I was doing earlier on to professional tracks, even professional master tracks, that was one element that I noticed I just needed to spend a lot of time learning. And so I want to tell you uh, today, I want to give you kind of a little example of one of one way that uh, you can use compression to be a piece of this overall pie that we're trying to put together, this overall process of avoiding this embarrassment of presenting our mixes and, and having them sound very amateur, and definitely dynamic range compression is a huge part of that. Uh, the reason I say that is because compression is a, an amazingly versatile uh, uh, option when it comes to processing your audio. We have outboard units that uh, when you're tracking, you can run through analog units or even just a rackable compressor. Uh, even uh, being able to loop that through when you're when you're doing some remixing uh, through the beginning process on into the mastering process. Compression has definitely some outboard uh, potential there, and that's what's been happening for years. Uh, people have been using outboard units in all the process of, of both tracking and, and all the way into mastering and in between. There's also nowadays we have access to just literally it seems like hundreds of plug-in compressors where uh, we've got everything from press, uh, compressors that we can use to, say, take the S or the sibilance out of our audio DSing uh, on into multi-band compression that deals with not just the entire uh, band of audio, but has the ability to separate bands. And, and so rather than just say uh, all the highs all the way on up to the low, say 20 hertz to 20K, uh, the ability to separate that, compress the low uh, frequencies different from the mid frequencies from the high band frequencies. We've got multi-band compression, also just full range, dynamic range compression, where we've got plugins that uh, that just give us all sorts of range of options, and there's many different ways to use compression. And uh, you may compress, say, a bass guitar different than you would compress a vocal line. You might compress a snare drum different than you would compress uh, maybe a, a tom or a kick drum or uh, a synth or a piano. But you may use the same compressor, but there's just a lot of different ways to to alter the settings on that compressor and to change things around in order to get different results but compression is a is is a very large piece of the pie when it comes to uh, creating these professional sounding mixes and even doing that on any size budget so I want to talk in this episode let me just give you one thing in one area I want to focus just a little bit on a vocal line uh, and, and kind of give you some pointers here and then we're going to spend a few episodes talking very specifically about dynamic range compression and how it plays a huge role in avoiding the embarrassment of creating those amateur mixes taking your mixes to the level of where they're very professional sounding so what I have open here in front of me I've got a session of Sonar X1 producer and uh, it, this doesn't really matter whatever uh, recording software or, or DAW digital audio workstation or DAW for short whatever recording software you're using, uh, this is going to apply. Uh, there's so many different compression options that are out there, uh, but really uh, you, you might have access to a different plugin than I do, and that, that's completely okay. What I want to address is kind of a, a general overview of how I'm using compression to, they, to take this particular mix out of the amateur sounding realm and to bring it into the professional realm. I'm going to let you hear a piece of this audio track here, and uh, this is just a short little line. This is a, uh, a track that I put together, kind of a little demo project to demonstrate some of these things. But in this track, to let you know what's going on, there's a, there's a vocal line, there's a piano, there's a synth. Uh, it's kind of this uh, synth uh, fading that kind of does an auto pan from one side to another. We've got a bass guitar. We've got a full uh, full drum set up here. 
Uh, it's actually MIDI drums, but um, they're sampled acoustic kit sounds. And so we've got full drums in there along with the bass. And um, of course, uh, in our drum kit, we've got kicks, snare, toms, and uh, you know, cymbals as well. And uh, we've got this whole mix that, are, that has come together, and, and there's no backing vocals at this point. But I want to let you listen to a piece of this full mix. And the last thing that I'm trying to, to tighten up on this mix is the vocal line, okay? And to thinking back to my story, the biggest in the mix that I did for uh, my friend's wedding, the biggest glaring spot of, of both reverb and uh, just the lack of clarity in the amateur sounding was actually in the lead vocal line. Uh, it was definitely in the whole project, but the most noticeable was that lead vocal line. And so I've got a, I've got a session here open in front of me. And um, the last thing I'm trying to do is get this lead vocal line to where it is nice and punchy. It's nice and present. Uh, I'm not losing quiet spots and, and I'm not being knocked out uh, volume-wise by the really loud spots. A nice balance. Uh, you know, of course, we've done some things with EQ and, and that's a whole other tutorial. But, but how am I using compression to take this mix from that amateur sound to the professional sound? Let me let you hear a portion of this. And up until this point right now, this is uh, no compression, a little bit of EQ with a little bit of reverb on the vocal line. Let me let you, uh, let you hear a section of this right here. The one who has rescued me. Okay, now, um, that's not horrible, okay? So it's not as though, um, you know, the vocal is just not there at all. But right off the bat, hopefully you can notice a difference. Here's what I'm hearing. Um, I've got my volume pushed pretty good, okay? And you might be thinking, well, you know, if it's buried in there, uh, you know, maybe, maybe this track needs a little more volume. Here's what I'm dealing with. Uh, I've got my volume on that track pegged out at plus three and uh is as far as the peak value it's hitting at negative 0.4 which means i am right on the edge of clipping so that is literally all the juice i've got right there and if i push this track any louder i'm going to get huge amounts of clipping in that vocal line okay and there's definitely what i hear when i listen to this is there's several spots that come out nice and clear and then as the sound tapers off there's some pieces that are really getting buried in there. Let's listen to this vocal one more time. See if you can kind of pinpoint what's happening. There's some louder spots that seem to be clearer. And we've got some EQ and reverb happening, which which are part of this. But but definitely our next step here is is compression that I'm trying to address, dynamic range compression in order to fix the issues that are happening. So listen, I'll play this little clip one more time. Listen to where it cuts through pretty decent. And then listen to the parts that are buried. See if you can hear the difference. Okay, if you listen really closely, what, what really is uh is coming out more than others are the beginning statements, the more than hope, more than life, more than peace. And when the when the vocal line, this is me singing, by the way, when the vocal line tapers out, that's the spots that are kind of getting buried in there. Now, again, I've got the channel pegged. 
if I push this any more, it's going to clip. And, and right there, even in that little line right there, my, my peak audio hit at negative uh, 0.4. So I really can't get any more juice in order to pop that out of the mix. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to turn on my compressor here. Um, this is a free plugin that I'm using. It's called uh, M Compressor. And um, uh, this is something that I'll talk about in, in future episodes. But this is from the guys at Melda Production. Total free compressor. I'm going to open up my compressor, and on the vocal channel itself, uh, I've inserted this just as an effects uh, effects plugin. Okay, and uh, I'm going to take a look at it, at a few things. Now, I've made some adjustments before. You know, I did this tutorial, so I've got an idea of where we're going to go here, just for the sake of time. But um, let me show you just right off the bat and tell you a couple things that I've done. There's all sorts of options in compression. Let me highlight just a couple of them since uh, you're, you're just listening to this. There's no video here. Um, the first thing that I've done, and I've, I've got a ratio uh, setting on this compressor, and uh, I've got that ratio setting at 3 to 1, which is what, it, what this is saying is that the audio, uh, the peak volumes, the dynamic range of the high spots, the louder spots, are going to be brought down 3 decibels for every 1 decibel that comes into this compressor. Okay. The next thing I've got is an attack setting, and the attack is uh, how fast are those changes going to be applied to the audio? How fast is that reduction of the the, the higher, uh, the louder spots going to take place? Okay. So I've got an attack value that I'm working with, and then I've also got a release value. How slow or how fast are the the changes in that audio? The reduction of gain from that that range, that high range. How how fast or how slow is the change going to be returned back to the normal unprocessed audio? And uh, there's a few other settings in here. And the last one I want to highlight is this: I have a threshold setting. That threshold setting is a is a decibel setting, and right now I've got it set to negative 18 dB. And what it is saying is that that every audio signal, every decibel that goes above negative 18 decibels is going to get a gain reduction of three decibels for every one that goes above that threshold. Now, hopefully this is not too confusing to you, but when the signal gets loud enough to go above that threshold, then everything above minus 18 dB is going to get reduced by three decibels for every one that goes above it. Okay, and so essentially what we're going to do is we're going to lose volume. However, we've got one last setting I'll point out. We have an output gain, uh, and this output gain gives me the ability then as we lose the signal from the louder spots, we're bringing those louder spots down uh, closer to where the quieter spots are. Then we're going to bring the whole entire track up with our output gain, which in this case, it's set at plus 8 dB. So we're, we're making the whole track quieter, essentially, because we're bringing the, the peak volume or the loud volume, we're bringing that down, we're, we're squashing that down of everything that is loud enough to exceed negative 18 decibels, because that's where our threshold is set at, and we're doing that at a 3 to 1 ratio, and uh, right now I've got an attack setting set at about 1 millisecond, I've got a release value set at just about 7 milliseconds on the release. Um, so let's let's listen to this without compression on it whatsoever. I'm going to turn this compressor uh, compressor off, and then I'm going to listen to the same track, and I want to let you hear the difference of what the compressor sounds like with these settings enabled. Here's no compression whatsoever. The one who has rescued me, yeah. More than life, more than joy. Okay, that's our original track, no compression. Now, 
Let me turn this compressor on. Again, this is just inserted into the main vocal channel. Um, and just to recap again, I'm using a 3 to 1 ratio. Uh, I've got 1 millisecond on the attack. I've got 7 milliseconds on the release. And I've got an output gain that I'm boosting that whole signal up with that is set at plus uh, 8 decibels or plus 8.5 dB. And then the whole compressor is set to the threshold of minus 18 decibels. So everything above 18 decibels, minus 18 decibels is, is getting compressed. So now let's listen to the difference in the audio track. The one who has rescued me, yeah, more than life. Okay, right away, I'm looking at my meters in front of me, and I've got clipping now on the channel because this thing is so much louder. So I'm going to knock my channel volume down, and let's try this. I'm going to knock this down to about negative two, and let's see if we can keep that out of clipping, but listen to the audible difference between the track now. Here we go, one more time. The one who has rescued me, yeah, more than life, more than joy. More than the very air that I breathe More than hope, more than peace Okay, there you go. That is a way that we're using compression. Now, no longer have any clipping, and I'm still peaking out now. I had to turn the channel volume down to negative 2, and uh, my peak value now of that track is still at negative 0.4 so I'm still right as loud as I can get but the perceived volume is much much louder why is that because we're compressing the loud spots we're pushing them down so that they're much closer we're pushing the peaks closer to the valley and then we're bringing the whole thing up with our output gain setting on this compressor and so we have this perceived loudness increase not by jamming the fader up into clipping but by using compression and this is one way that is critical in order to take your mixes from that embarrassing amateur sound to a professional sounding mix. And uh, hey, this is just one way to do that. And let me just say there's a lot of different ways to use compression. Let me let you hear it one more time. And I'm gonna I'm gonna turn uh, I'm gonna turn it off here right now. And uh, I'll bring my volume up just a little bit again. And I'm gonna turn the compressor off and let you listen to it. And then we'll we'll turn it back on and I'll let you hear the difference. No compression right here. Okay, here's compression on. I have to boost the volume back down to negative two with the compressor enabled. The one who has rescued me, yeah. More than life, more than joy, more than the very air that I breathe, more than hope, more than peace. Okay, there you have it. Definitely a huge difference between using compression on this vocal line. That vocal line is nice and clear. It's nice and present. The, the lower valleys that were normally pretty quiet before compression are now up and nice and tight. 
the high spots, which would normally clip out our channel, are now nice and present and they're nice and full and there's no clipping whatsoever. So this is one way to, to use compression uh, in your mixes in order to take your mixes from that amateur, kind of embarrassing, I don't want anyone to hear it because I'm trying but I'm not there type mix into the professional realm. So hey guys, hopefully this has been helpful to you. I'm going to be doing a couple more episodes dealing very specifically with dynamic range compression. I would very much love to hear your input, love to hear your comments. You can add them either to uh, the bottom of this post or even right there in the iTunes feed as well. Maybe give a one sentence review uh, and hopefully that'll just to, to let people know what, what you're thinking. And uh, also, if you really want a little more in-depth understanding of compression, I've got kind of a real next step for you to take. Uh, if you head on over to homemusicstudio1.com slash free gift. I've got a, a free ebook about compression that I want to get into your hands. Again, homemusicstudio1.com slash free gift. And I get questions a lot about compression. I really do. And so it's very critical and key to, to going from amateur to professional on your, your project mixes. And I put together a little ebook that explains a lot more about what settings I just used and, and what they do. And I want to get that into your hands completely free. Uh, won't cost you a thing. Just go on in, throw your email in there. I'll send you a link so that you can download that as well. And again, I'd love to hear your feedback, uh, any input that you have. Uh, you can also send an email to Dave at homemusicstudio1.com uh, or you can just add your, your comments to the bottom of this post or even right here at the bottom of the feed right there in iTunes. Again, this is Dave Maxey with uh, the homemusicstudio1.com podcast. Thanks again for joining me and we'll catch you next time. <music>